0: The following message by Pastor Tim is brought to you by Together in Christ. Have your Bibles, if you want to take them out with me and go to Galatians chapter 4 again. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 through 20. I don't know if you're catching on, but I enjoy when God allows me to be in the same passage morning and evening. It doesn't always happen. You might think, well, you could make that happen. I don't think that's true. Try to force my thoughts into the passage uh, so it's a it's a good thing when I get to be in the in the same passage. There's a podcast that I listen to. I can't think of the name of it Pastor Scott will know one with herschel York Pastor Wells is the name of the podcast, and he had a he he's out of Southern seminary he had a pastor on there recently he'd been pastoring for fifty years and he said it well uh, It's something that many of you will never know or understand as pastors, but every week I have a term paper due, and I have to present it to all of you, and it has to be done well, and nothing weighs on me quite like that. And when I have to do two separate passages for two services, it's double the weight, and so I'm thankful when God allows me to be in the same passage uh, morning and night. Uh, it saves my sanity because it really, is, it really does weigh on me throughout the week. I uh, want to have a good sermon in uh, a accurate sermon as well. Uh, so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to be in the same verses we were uh, this morning, but we're going to look at it a little bit differently. This is a very I think it'll be much more applicable type of sermon. Um, but what I, I want to dive into and in looking at this passage and looking at Paul and how Paul handles this situation is the heart of a true spiritual leader. I hope to get through it all. I might not, and that's okay. If I don't, I'll just pick up where I left off the next Sunday evening and finish it there. Because I think there's nine things that we can see from Paul as he is trying to lead this church. And so you you might hear me say the word spiritual leader. You might hear me say pastor as I go through this, and that's okay. I'm kind of thinking of those interchangeably here. Because I I want you to think of it, yes, as pastors, as we try to lead a church, but also... If you are doing your job as a Christian, you are called to disciple people. And thus, you should be spiritually leading some. Whether if you're a parent, you definitely should be doing that with your children. Uh, But then also, we should be leading those that we are discipling. And we should be looking for people to disciple uh, and to care for spiritually. And so, I think this is applicable to all of us. So, as I said this morning, and we get to this section Uh, Starting in verse eight, we've seen Paul be very stern and very theological up to this point. Uh, Some would even dare say been harsh with the church in Galatia. He hasn't held back at all. He's been very straightforward with them. He wants them to know the truth. And oftentimes we see this with authority figures. I would dare say too often. Uh, They come across a lot of times authority figures will take that authority and they just become harsh in nature and it becomes a problem you can see this with bosses you can maybe even see this in the home uh you can see this sometimes with uh different roles in the family of husband and wife where the husband will uh, take too much control and take the role that god has given him and become a, a dominant figure within the home almost into an abusive uh point even and so uh, Paul, uh, maybe some would read into Paul there, like like I said, and say, man, he, he's almost coming across abusive in this way. Now, the truth is, uh, sometimes that is needed. I'm not talking about his husband's dominating. That's not what I'm talking about. But as leaders trying to be very truthful and almost sometimes forceful, you need to hear this. You need to know this. This is wrong. This is right. This is what needs to be done. But on the flip side, a true leader is also going to have compassion. A true leader is going to love those that they are leading. Is going to have a heart for those that they are leading. And they don't want to break the person that they are leading. They want to nurture the person they are leading. They want to point them to Christ, as we'll see as we get through this. And, and this is going to play itself out in our passage tonight as we, as we read this together. A good leader isn't always stern, but sometimes is, but also is gentle and kind, and has a real heart for the people that they are ministering to. And so, like I said, we're going to pull out some characteristics that I think we can apply to our lives as well, as we do our best to minister to those that God calls us to minister to. So let's read our passage again uh, tonight, beginning in verse 8. It says, But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and biggerly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, from whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. First characteristics I want us to look at can be found in verse 8 through 10, and it's a spiritual leader is honest. It's very honest. Paul was willing in this situation to tell them the truth about their current state, he wasn't afraid to shy away f- from that. He feared for them because he saw them making bad decisions. And so he wanted to be honest with them. The verses that came to my mind when thinking about this are not a, uh, pleasant verses uh, to think of. It's probably some of the favorite verses for children. Uh, but Proverbs twenty six eleven: As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. This is... Oftentimes, what happens as we lead people, we will see them going back to their old, old ways. We'll see them going back to things that they do not need to go to. Even as we try to grow in our walk with the Lord ourselves, we can catch ourselves doing that. And we're reminded of that verse of, man, we're just returning to these things that we got rid of. Why would we go back to that? And so Paul is doing his best to be honest with this church, to be honest with this congregation, Because he's seeing what is happening and he must let them know. Because he wants to be honest with them. Because he cares for them. Sadly, this is one of the characteristics that people don't want from their leaders. They say they want that from their leaders. But when their leaders do that is when they want to kick them out. It's when they don't want them around anymore. It's when they start to push them out of their lives you know, they say, you know, honey, I want you to tell me the next time I do this. The next time I get angry, please let me know. You know, five minutes later, you spout off. Uh, you're being angry. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. You know, it's one of those things when we get confronted with the truth and it's not how nice you are or how pleasant you are, but it's a truth of, hey, you need to fix this in your life or, or this is a danger. All of a sudden you get pushed away and And so Paul knows that and knows that that can happen, which is, which we'll see in a little bit. But he's saying, I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. Now, I do think there's a couple reasons that we, we don't like to hear this from our leaders. I'm sure there's more. Maybe you could think of more. One of them I already mentioned, we don't like to hear we are wrong, right? But the other thing is a lot of times when we look to leaders, when we look at pastors, when we look, we, we see their faults too. And so, when they start to be honest to us about our faults, we instantly see their faults. And it's kind of this thing of, who are you? You're not perfect. Don't get on me for not being perfect. I've heard many, I've heard a, I've heard quite a few people actually say that's what keeps them from teaching in church. And they say, how can I teach? I, I'm not, I, I fail in this stuff all the time. My response is always the same. Well, if that's the case, none of us teach. We have no teachers then in the church because we We all fail. We all fall short of that. But that shouldn't stop us from being honest. And and Paul shows this in verse 11 of why he's doing this. See, in verse 11, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. I think the second characteristic here that Paul shows us is he has concern. A spiritual leader has honest concern and care for the people that he is ministering to. Paul had a genuine fear for this church and and the fact that they were falling back into this legalistic lifestyle that we talked about uh, this morning, this lifestyle that only damns. It doesn't give life. It doesn't give hope. It doesn't give peace. All it does is hurt and destroy. And so Paul has a great concern for them as their pastor saying, I don't want this for you. I need to be honest with you because I'm concerned for your well-being. I'm concerned about what's going on. To happen here. He's not, he's not trying to lord his perfection over them. He's not treating it like that whatsoever. He really has a compassionate concern. It's hard sometimes for people to see that. It, and it, it hurts really bad. And we'll get to this more when people question that from you as a leader. But I don't think you need to lead somebody if you don't really care for them. If you don't really have a concern for who they are and their, and their well-being, and you're like, well, here's the honest truth. If you keep walking, you're gonna die. Oh, you're gonna keep walking? Whatever, I don't care. No, we, you can't be like that and be a good leader, a good spiritual leader. And so, you are honest, you have concern, and we see then in verse 12, look what it says, Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. Paul lived as an example. He lived it as an example. So again, he's not lording his perfection over them because then he says, look it, I, I became one of you. I lived alongside of you. You guys saw me. He lived the life that he was calling them to. This morning, we saw what Paul meant in this verse. I hope that you remember what we talked about. Paul put himself out on the line here by saying, be like me. This isn't a statement that uh, we would say lightly hey, watch what I do and replicate it. That's probably not always the smartest thing for us to say because having people watch you is a very daunting task. Always having the microscope on you can be a scary thing. You think about when you finally realize for the first time that your kids actually listen and pay attention to what mom and dad says. You think, you've been hearing that all this time? You knew what that TV show meant? You've, I didn't think you understood what that meant yet. And so I thought it was safe to watch this show with you in the room. But you obviously now know what it meant. And then all of a sudden, everything in you gets a little tight. And you're like, "Ooh, I've got to button it up now. Or right? I have to pay attention because these little ones are watching me. They're They're paying attention to what I say and to what I do. And in fact, they're replicating it. And that's a scary thing to think about. But Paul, being a good leader was willing to say, I'm letting you in. I am going to be an example. You're going to see my successes, but you're also going to see my hurts. You're going to see my struggles. You're going to see my failures. There was no way for Paul to hide this. I mean, and he even mentions it. You know, he was sick and all these different things. And so they saw him at some of his worst. But Paul says, be like me, watch my life. Because as I try to live for the Lord, you try to live for the Lord as well. Too often leaders try to stay distant, I think, from those that they lead. And this is, I think, for a couple reasons. It's, it's to be shielded in a couple ways. They, they do this to protect themselves, but they also do this to protect the people that they lead. And let me, let me explain a little, bit, a little bit what I, what I mean by that. Um, when, when I got voted in to be the, the pastor here, I had some in my life that I was close to and they would say, you know, what do I need what what do you need for me now? And this what what do you need for me now? And different people asked me this and and there were there were some that I said I just want you to be a friend. Well, well what does that mean? And I would say I think it's a hard job to be the friend of the pastor. Do you think you can handle that? To be my friend. Not not uh, you know, not my not my boss, not a, not even a fellow worker for the Lord. I want you to be my friend, somebody I can laugh with, someone I can be honest with, someone that I can share. Man, this stinks. Man, I'm so angry at them right now. Whatever it may be. And a lot of times when you say that to somebody, they take it kind of flippantly like, yeah, sure, no problem. And no. Can you handle it? Because you're going to see me at times that you don't want to see me. You're going to hear me say things at times, being my friend, that you're going to say, "Pastors shouldn't think that way. Pastors shouldn't act like that. Just know that that's coming and still promise that you will love me. Still promise that you will care about me and still see me. And so oftentimes what pastors will do, what spiritual leaders will do is they will shield themselves in a way that says, I just won't have any close friends because I'm gonna protect myself from being hurt and I'm gonna protect those around me um, from them being hurt when they see me fail. Because we want to see our pastor on stage as perfect. And everybody will say, no, that's not true. But it's 100% true. Because as soon as you see your pastor doing something wrong, as soon as you catch a glimpse of maybe something his family is doing on Facebook or whatever the case might be, you instantly get angry. You will instantly get upset. And, I, and I'm not throwing these, I'm saying it's just how we are. It's just what we expect from our leaders. And so oftentimes, instead of being an example, we shield ourselves away. But the fact is, leaders must lead by example. They must be willing to jump in there to practice the things that we are called to, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to be open. And the fact of the matter is, sometimes when people see your vulnerabilities, they are going to shy away. They are going to struggle with that. But you have to let that happen. You have to walk them through that. You have to love them through those situations. I mean, Jesus himself clearly did this. He was an example. He never failed, right? He never sinned. He didn't have that. but he was right there with them, showing them what it meant to serve, showing them what it meant to follow him. And we must do the same thing as leaders, as be an example to those with us. And that's what Paul is, is talking about in verse 12. Be like me, saying, I'm willing to be this example. <clears throat> the other thing that we see in verse 12 is we understand um, verse 12 where he says, for I became like you. I think this is a very important point and I hope we take it to heart. But a good leader is teachable, is teachable, is willing to learn. Paul in this situation was willing to learn cultures and places in order to be like those he was witnessing to. We read this this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23, where Paul says, I've become all things to all men. To the Jew, I became like a Jew. Not that I was hindered by the law, but I did it for their sake. To the Gentile, I became like a, a Gentile. Not that I didn't care about the law or the things of the law, but I, I became a Gentile for their sake. To the weak, I've become weak. The poor, poor. He even would go to the top of the academic world and to them, let's talk. Let's debate. He does that on Mars Hill saying, look at this unknown God. And then he talks to them and has this long conversation with them. Paul would become what he needed to become in order to be able to share the gospel. And now, listen, this takes time. This takes effort. But in a leader, it shows a fantastic amount of humility, a great amount of humility. One of the areas in my life where I really strive to do this, and maybe I've mentioned this before. I, I just don't remember it is um, with hunting. I never cared the least about hunting. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. I said, this is the dumbest thing in the world. You're going to get up early in the morning and go sit in a tree. You're not going to see anything and you're going to come home. Why would you do that? You're going to be cold. That's that just sounded ridiculous to me. The absolute only reason that became part of my life was to have a better relationship with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. The only reason that ever happened i got a gun for Christmas. What am I going to do with this thing? It wasn't even a fun gun. It was a black powder gun. Like, I can't can't even shoot this a bunch. It's a lot of work. So it sits in a closet for years on end. But then it was like, well, I want to have a better relationship with them. And so they obviously love this. Let's let's see how it goes. And so start to learn about it, start to want to do it well, start to open up time to, to be able to go and to do that. Now, it ended up I enjoy it and I, I like doing it now. But what I'm saying is it, it took effort and it took time. And the end goal was I want to have a better relationship with them. You know, some of you might have people in your life or family members in your life and you say, I've been praying for them that they would uh, be able to hear the gospel. But we just don't get along. We have we have nothing in common. Do you know that could change? that really could change. You could find something that they like and do your best to like it or do your best to start to know about it, to learn about it so that you can start a conversation or so that you can go with them to the game or play this game with them or whatever it might be with your whole thought in mind. I want to be able to share the gospel with you. I want to be able to lead you. I want to be able to love you you think about all the people around the world and the fact that they need the gospel, the Bible doesn't just all of a sudden write itself into their language. There's people who go to school to train and they go to a different country and try to learn a language just so then they can write out the Bible for those people to hand it to them so they can read their own scripture. That does not happen overnight. That takes so much time. That takes so much effort, but it takes a person who is willing to be teachable. It really breaks my heart. But when I get around a big group of pastors, oftentimes it's the most unteachable people in the world. The most unteachable people in the world. They're the most rude people when someone's up there speaking. They always take their phone calls. They're always on their phone looking at emails. Now, if you did that to them, they would question your membership. But at a pastor's conference, the hall is full of pastors on their phones. It is. And why is that? I think Because there is a hint in every single one of them of saying, I preached that passage two years ago. I'll check my notes when I get home or I don't need to hear this message. It's this attitude of being just unteachable as if they have all the answers. And when you're around people like that, it is completely draining. I don't know if you've experienced it, but again, I, I have. And it is completely draining when you try to finally voice your opinion or bring up a topic and it instantly gets shut down because they know everything. No, you you don't. No, don't even talk. Why are you saying anything? We have the answers here. It's not unifying. It's not God glorifying. And this is an attitude that goes completely against what the Lord teaches. In fact, the Lord teaches us that we're always to be learning that we're always to be growing and that it's something we should seek out. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 to 18, listen as I read this, it says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks In them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. This is Paul. This is Peter talking about Paul. Like when Paul writes, it can be hard to understand. Right. He says, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. This is what Peter says to his church. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We must be people willing to learn and always learning. One of the um, things that I've had to learn to do, I feel, to grow as a pastor, to grow as a leader, is I've had to learn to read. You say you should have learned that in second grade. I understand, but I mean, learn to enjoy reading and learn to read to where I'm being filled and to where I'm growing and to where I'm being challenged and being forced to learn more and more and more. And sadly, a lot of Christians do not do this. They they get saved and then they're like the church that was written in Hebrews. When the writer of Hebrews would say, I would love to teach you these things, but I can't. Because you won't understand them. Because you guys barely understand the elementary principles here. As Christians, we should have a desire to learn more and more and more. And that isn't going to be done unless we're reading, unless we're striving, unless we're being taught. And so we have to seek after that. And Paul says here that he was teachable because he would learn the culture. He would do his best so that he could then go and to share the gospel with these people. Verses 13 to 15, we see that Paul was always willing to share God's word, no matter what was happening in his life, no matter where Paul was going, that was his focus, was I'm going to share the gospel with the people that I come into contact with. Even in trials, even in, in hardships, he still preached God's word. I mean, here we see in sickness, but I think this is kind of interesting if you look in Acts chapter 14, I think it's Acts 13 and Acts 14 uh, describes Paul's missionary journey to Galatia. And when you get to Acts 14, verse 19 through 23, I want you to hear what Paul faced uh, here in Lystra, which is part of Galatia. It says, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul is in Galatia establishing churches, the churches that he's writing to. And what happens to him? He is stoned to death. He looks so bad that as people crowd around him this close, they look at him and say, yeah, he's dead. We're done. Let's walk away. And so they go away and then people come out to see Paul, other Christians. And Paul, I would say, miraculously pops up, probably not like a spring chicken, not all excited, like, let's go. I feel great. No, he gets up probably very slowly, just now near death, goes into the next town, preaches the gospel again, and God, by his grace, saves souls. And then Paul, in what I would say is complete ignorance, instead of going to the next town, does a 180 and goes back to the town that stoned him to encourage the church there. Now, for those people who would look at Paul and say, man, he is a jerk who has no compassion. I would have to challenge them to read this passage because I don't know if I could do that. If I got stoned in Monroe and then I went down to somewhere in Ohio, and had great success there, and the Lord was blessing. Do you know where I wouldn't go back? Monroe. I might go farther south. I would have all the reasons in the world to not come back. I'm not going back there. It's cold. The people are mean. Whatever it may be. God, there's so many other places. Why would I go back there? Yet because God had impressed on the heart of Paul the need to share the gospel, the need to start churches, Paul was willing to share the gospel regardless of his situation. He knew that the blessing or the satisfaction of the Lord and his word dwelling in his heart. Paul understood that it wasn't about the things that were taking a place. It wasn't about how good he felt or even about how it was received. But it was about the burden that God had placed on his heart and what he must do. And that was to share the gospel. As we live our lives, as we as we lead our family members, as we lead those who God allows us to lead, this is what must be true of us. That the gospel is the most important no matter what. And listen, this isn't easy. I could so easily go off on a tangent right here and talk about youth sports for an hour because I know it's a struggle in my life. But how easy it is for me as a dad or me as a husband to let everything else become more important than the gospel and ministering to my family and sharing the truth with them. It is so easy to look at our schedules and say, well, they got to run this night and they got to run this night and we got to get them in bed because they have they have to get up early in the morning. And so we'll just skip tonight. All right. And then the next night. Yeah, we got to skip tonight. We didn't know this was coming up. Oh, now it's Wednesday night. Well, we got to skip Wednesday nights because we don't get home from church till nine o'clock. They should have been in bed at eight o'clock. And it just becomes so easy to lose focus of what we're really called to do as leaders. And that is to be sharing the gospel with those who are around us, to see them growing in the Lord. Well, As we get to verse 16, this is one of the heart-wrenching verses for Paul. As he would say, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. One of the things that we need to do as we lead is we must be willing to be unfriended. It's not an easy thing as a leader to lose a friend because of the gospel, but it's something that we must be ready for because Paul knew that speaking the truth of the gospel to these people, that some of them would become his enemies. And in fact, it was some of the people probably who were closest to him while he was there who now seemed to hate him the most. That's not an easy situation to find yourself in. Imagine being Paul who loved these people, who did all this work to become one of them, for them to see how much he loved them, sacrificing for them in his sickness, in his illness, being stoned uh, to death, and then getting word from this church that, you know, the three of the five elders, they hate you now. They're actually telling everybody that you're the heretic, that they shouldn't listen to you that that these other men now are right that's heart-wrenching not just on a on a level of like business but that's heart-wrenching on a on a personal level but being a leader sometimes requires this sacrifice it's one of the hardest parts of the job that you have but you have to be open enough to be hurt for the sake of the gospel understanding that when you let people in Some will hurt you. They are going to hurt you. I was listening recently uh, of missionaries who let people into their homes. And then they would tell stories. Yeah, I've had so many people steal my stuff. I would have sleepless nights worrying because my kids are in the room down the hall that they're going to go do something to my children. Right. This and this. And like they had all these different stories in the end. Well, what do we do this for? We do this for the sake of the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. These people are hurting. They're homeless. We let them in. We're trying to do what God has called us to do. And if it means us getting hurt, then so be it. If we can win one to the Lord. Man, if you had a church full of people who had that mentality, you would outgrow your church really, really quickly. I want to read for you Romans 8, 17. This came to my mind as thinking about this section. Romans 8.17 gives us a promise. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Then the section we don't like to think about. Provided we suffer with him in order that we, that we may also be glorified with him. I really think the fact of the matter for us of where we are at in our society now is not many of us are going to face stoning. Not many of us are going to face lashings. You're not going to be physically beaten for your faith. But we are to the point now to where we will start to be ridiculed, where you will lose friends. You will definitely lose family members who don't want to talk to you as much anymore because of your stance on the gospel and because you're not willing to shut up because you care for them too much. And so we, like Paul, must be willing to be unfriended, even though it hurts. Verse 19, Paul was motherly. This isn't something we like to hear, I guess, as men. But We need to be motherly with those that we lead. When we think of moms, we think of gentleness. We think of kindness. We think of maybe long suffering. We think of a loving person. And we think of these attributes probably more so than our fathers. And we see that oftentimes and Paul points here, he goes straight to the birth process like we talked about this morning and the pain that is associated with that, the danger that goes along with that back then uh, of how often the babies would die, how often the mothers would die. And Paul knows that as he leads, he knows it's gonna be painful. He, he knows it's gonna be dangerous, but he knows that he must have a motherly affection for those that God gives him, where he has gentleness, where he shows them kindness, Where he has patience for them, long suffering, and he does that with a certain goal in mind, which the end of verse 19 says, right? And it's to point them to Christ so that they can grow in Christ. And this is where a leader should be humbled before Jesus. We must have humility before him. Paul knew his end goal wasn't little Paul's running around, but that it was, that it was Christ to be glorified in these people because when a leader does his best to duplicate himself, all you're going to get is chaos. All you're going to get is failure simply because no one ever lives up to that hype. Ever. It never happens. We all fail and so do leaders. And so we cannot reproduce ourselves. We must see Christ being reproduced in them. And we give him all the glory. We give him all the praise. And you know, this is hard because... As parents, our job, our job is to raise our kids to leave. That's the goal. The goal is not for them to stay. It's it's you go and you've been raised to go and, and succeed and do. And it's the same way within the church. Let's Let's raise these up. Let's share the gospel with these people. Let's disciple these people. And why? So that they can now go and be the church. Not just hang out with me, not just be my friends, not just be in my Sunday school class, not just to be my small group. Don't get me wrong. Some of those people will stay around and that will happen. But it's no, you, you now go and you do. Go start your own small group. Go, you know, you've been trained now. Go, go start your own Bible study. Go get a new group of friends and disciple them and love on them and care for them. That's what you're being called to do. We always have to point them To Christ, Philippians 2, 3 through 8, and I'm almost done, says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Notice this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We must be humbled before Jesus, just like Jesus, the son, was humbled before God, the father, being willing to empty ourselves so that we can see Christ being grown in those that God has given us. And then verse 20, is steadfast the leader is steadfast in verse 20 Paul says I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone for I have doubts about you what we see here is Paul wanting to be with these people because he knows the limitations of a letter and he's saying I want to be with you because I want you to hear my voice I want you to hear my tone I want you to hear my man or see my mannerisms and I want you to see my caring he wants to be with them so that he can talk with them. He wants to work hard so that they can come to see Christ growing in their lives again instead of falling back into their legalistic ways. Paul is struggling with all that is going on in the church and he wants them to see him personally. You know, I think I think too often we give up on people And Paul's not willing to give up on this church, even though he could write them off, even though he could say, I'm not going back there. They tried to kill me once. I'm not going back there. It's not happening. He wasn't willing to give up on them. He says, I I want to come back to you. I, I want to speak with you. And we have to have that same attitude. Some of you have family members you've been praying for for years. I want to encourage you not to give up on them. Be steadfast in sharing the gospel with them. As long as God allows you to have a relationship with them, continue to share the gospel with them. Continue to pray for them. Continue to think of ways that you can grow in your relationship with them so that you can introduce them to the Lord even more. It's a long haul with most people. This is one of the reasons. I'm not a big fan of, the, of door-to-door evangelism. I'm not a big fan of like, hey, let's all go to the mall. We're just going to tap people on the shoulder and ask them if they know Jesus. That's not. That's not a, I'm not a huge fan of that. I guess God can use that sometimes, but most of the times it happens in relationships, and it takes a long time. It's over a, a long period of time. And so, as God gives us opportunities to be spiritual leaders in people's lives, we have to understand that it is a long process. Even once they come to know the Lord, because these are these are the people that I interact with the most are Christians. Being a pastor, I interact with Christians all the time. And it's very frustrating having someone come to you and say, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Well, amen. Great. And you start to talk to them and you realize, I know people who've been Christians for three months and they know way more than you. They know way more what it means to be a Christian than you. You've been married. You've been, you've been a Christian 40 years. I'm, I don't tell them this, but I'm thinking you've wasted 40 years. It seems like you've done no growing. There's no changing. There, nothing. You're, you're not doing anything. And Man, that's heartbreaking. But we have to remember that it's a, a long haul process that we must stick with to encourage them, to equip them, to pray with them, to lead by example and pray that God would work in their lives. Well, I know that was a little longer than I wanted to do, but I wanted to get through all the points. And so I trust that the Lord will uh, use his word in your heart. I hope that if you're not leading somebody spiritually now, that you will. That's something that we are called to do, each and every one of us, is to disciple somebody, to pray with somebody. And you say, well, I don't know what that looks like. It could be as easy as this. Just finding that person and maybe having a time of prayer with them once a week. It could start right there. Just encouraging them, just maybe shooting texts to them. Hey, just thinking about you today. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. It can start right there. Then maybe reading some scripture together with that person. It might be awkward. You might fumble through some things. That is absolutely okay. But the worst thing to do is to not start. The worst thing to do is to not do it. And so I want to encourage you to be a spiritual leader in somebody's life and then pray and ask God to help you in that process. Let's bow together, let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. They should be out of choir here shortly. God, I I do thank you again for your word. God, I thank you for the privileges that you give us in being able to minister in people's lives. God, I ask that you would help us as spiritual leaders. God, I think about our pastoral staff. I I think about our Sunday school teachers. Um, I think about our Bible study leaders. I think about all these different people in our church who are leading these different ministries. God, I ask that you would help us to be like Paul was here, to be an example to people, to point people to Christ. God, uh, help us to be honest and speak truthful, but to also have the love like a mother does for a child. God, not to lord anything over them, but to just walk alongside of them. Because God, we want to see Christ formed in the lives of the people here at this church. And so Help us to do that the best that we can. God, uh, help us to be steadfast. Help us to be long-suffering. God, give us patience that only the Holy Spirit could could give us because, God, you know our frailties. You know how we fall in those areas. And so, God, I just pray that you would strengthen us. God, that we would be disciple-makers God, that there's people in our lives who need to hear the gospel because they've never experienced your grace. And so, God, help us to share the gospel with them. God, there's people in our lives who have been saved by your grace, but they need to grow. So help us to point them to you and to see growth in their life. And God, even in our own lives, I pray that you would help us to be disciplined as leaders. uh, To focus on the things that you would have us focus on. And God, to be humble before you, to be willing to follow Jesus and empty ourselves for your sake each and every day, even though it might be make us vulnerable, but still to be willing to do that because of the love that you've had for us. God, I thank you for giving us this time tonight. Be with us as we leave here tonight. Watch over us. And again, help us to be light in a dark world, we ask in Jesus name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Tim from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.